This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. May the precious awakening mind take birth where it has not been before, where it has been born. May it increase forever without decline. May spiritual teachers appear in the world. May teachings shine forth like the rays of the sun. May the upholders of spiritual traditions be in kinship and harmony. And may those traditions long and beneficially endure as long as space remains and as long as sentient beings remain. Until then, may I too remain and help dispel the misery of the world. Prayer for Healing, Imaho. Valeria Tellez interviews Ritu Kapoor, the author of Teach Yoga, Touch Hearts, a guide to creating inspirational yoga practice. Ritu Kapoor was born in India. At the age of 22, she moved to the United States, where she attended Boston University, completing her master's degree in occupational therapy. In the following years, she met her husband, settled in the Boston area, and raised her young family while working as an occupational therapist in various healthcare settings. She fell in love with yoga in 2009 and pursued two different yoga teacher trainings to learn different approaches. She has been sharing her love of yoga with people of all ages and abilities ever since. In 2014, encouraged by her husband, a longtime meditator himself, she opened her yoga and meditation studio, Soham. Teaching yoga was rewarding and fulfilling, and she eventually left her job as a rehab director to manage the studio. For seven years, Soham was a space that made yoga practices accessible to many. It nourished and nurtured the love of yoga for teachers and practitioners alike. Ritu is currently teaching yoga classes online, planning local and international retreats, and working on her second book. She finds much joy in her ongoing studies in Indian philosophy, Vedic chanting, and Hindustani classical music. Her first book, Teach Yoga, Touch Hearts, has been received very well by yoga enthusiasts in many countries. She hopes that the messages from this book manifest as inspiration, guidance, and empowerment to many. Meet Ritu at soham.org. Here's the interview with Ritu Kapoor. In your own words, who is Ritu Kapoor? Ah, the big question, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So um, I think in the material world, uh, I've donned on many roles like everyone else. I was born in India um, as a second daughter to my parents and, uh, you know, then a student. And I moved to United States uh, at the age of 22. And then I got married, have been a wife and um, mother to two uh, beautiful boys and, um, you know, in, in working life, I've been an occupational therapist, 
But I think now in in more spiritual life that I think uh, either I can call it I'm pursuing or it is pursuing me. <laughs> uh, I'm a yoga, you know, teacher of yoga, but I'm also a student of yoga. I'm a perpetual student, you know, learning the the teachings of Vedas and classical Hindustani Indian music uh, and many other things that call me on day-to-day level. Would you call what you do or have been doing a purpose or a mission or you don't use those words? You know, mission to me sounds more maybe with a force in a way. And uh, I think it's just happening to me. Uh, I'm not, you know, trying to go with a mission that I have to get somewhere. It's just flowing through me. And that's what I'm enjoying. Actually, for the first time in my life, you know, I've always had a mission. There was a mission to get good education and get married and have a family. But this part of my life, I don't have a mission. You know, the purpose itself is is just to be a good, kind human being and learn the knowledge, but also share the knowledge. And it's it's all happening on its own, I feel. Yeah, it goes back to that initial idea, right? I love that, Ritu. For some reason, it, it's a message that resonates true, so true, because I, I don't believe in separation. I see life as a whole, something that's whatever's happening here in different bodies and in different ways. It's Mm -hmm. so diverse, but it's one thing happening. It is. There's oneness. Right. It's the idea of non-duality that I came across and really resonated through, I mean, deeply. And now it became, yeah, this flow that you speak of. It's really amazing. It's magical in a way. It is magical. Yes. And you can feel when it's when it happens. You kind of have to prepare for it, but then at some point you have to allow it to happen, right? Mm, Yeah, to just be. Talk to me for a moment about the word heart. I will actually ask a question in in a more proper way, but let me just go back with the reason why I'm asking you this question. Your book's title, Teach Yoga, Touch Hearts beautiful mm-hmm. title, A Guide to Creating Inspirational Yoga Practice. So the word heart, I've been using that word for a long time, and most of us do. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the idea of or the concept of the spiritual and intuitive heart? I can only say what I have felt and experienced. To me, uh, spirituality happened when I could feel the heart, you know, uh, when I allowed myself to open my heart to all, all the possibilities and and the love that was around me. Uh, Sometimes we can either not see it or not let it open to those possibilities. And I think that opened something for me. And, uh, and spirituality is such a such a beautiful thing. It's a universal thing. We all feel it, uh, but in in our different ways at the level that we are at. So um, to allow that heart to open up, to feel the love for the nature, for 
for the animals, for everything around us. Uh, I think that uh, allows you to experience spirituality in your way. You know, like Rumi said, only from the heart can you touch the sky. And, you know, for years I've been reading Rumi's quotes and I, I don't think I totally understood it up until now that until your heart is open, you know, you are not able to feel really. And I wonder what it takes for the heart to open. Is it time or experiences suffering, pain? That's another catalyst, right? For Absolutely. Uh, you know, we all try to run away from pain and suffering, but that itself opens up our hearts beautifully. Um, you know, many Sufis and mystics have talked about that. Um and what you said, it could be experiences, it could be people you meet uh, briefly uh, in your life that um, that who touch your heart. And uh, four years ago, I was in Tibet in um, in the mountains, um, Mount, mountain Kailash. And I think a lot of experiences there really opened me up to spirituality in a way that I had not um, felt before. So for me, it was that experience. And for everyone else, it could be different uh, people and experiences in life as well. That's true. It really f seems like there is a, a timing. We need to be ready. That's interesting how life is very supportive of itself. And so Absolutely. it's nurturing, right? Ab you can call it divine timing, right? Mm, yeah. So you may yeah. have, you know, yeah. done something towards that uh, process for many years, but then something happens and you're ready for it to happen and you are seeing it happening. You know, the door, you can see the door open and you, maybe you can call it surrender. You're surrendering to that divine timing as well, right? Otherwise you may not even see that door open. Another question I have for you that just came to me when you mentioned mm -hmm. these destinations or spiritual feeling with the heart, opening the heart and all. I wonder what the destination is, if there was one, if there were one. I don't think there is destinations for anything. But if we were to get somewhere with all this, with all the emotional healing we do and the spiritual growth we do, the practices we engage in, would you say that unconditional love for self and others in life itself would be it, that destination? Maybe I think I, I would like to say what actually you said yourself. There is no destination. I think it's just a journey of human life that we are all in. And um, we all uh, have our own journeys and um, that unconditional love when we feel it from someone. Again, that's that's the time when your heart opens up. You're like, wow, you know, and that does something that is hard to explain in words. Right. But if you've been through it, you know exactly what I'm saying. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a billion times to the silent truth. <laughs> it can be spoken, although we try, don't we? It's fun, actually, right. <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> so let me ask you a question about healing. What is healing to you, Ritu? And what are some of the obstacles to healing? So healing, I feel you can call it an ongoing process. It could mean different things to different people, depending on what you feel, things that 
you think may have hurt you uh, or you have suffered from uh, as a child or as an adult. You know, sometimes some words can heal you. Prayers can be healing. Your faith and your trust in that divine process can be healing. So it's different things to different people. And your second part of your question was? Yeah, um, the obstacles to healing. Obstacles to healing. Well, a lot of times it could be our readiness or non-readiness to that healing. You know, when I was 10 years old, I lost my father and that was a very traumatic event um, for the whole family. And I think it took me 40 years to to even talk about that. And that's now 40 years later. <laughs> so um, when you're ready or healing happens uh, and again, you know, uh, com- coming back to the process of allowing, right, allowing yeah. the heart to open, allowing the healing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. If there was a lesson to learn about losing things and people we love, What would that be, I wonder? When those things happen, we don't see lesson in them. We only see grief and pain. And um, that could, uh, that suffering could continue for years or perhaps lifetime for many people. And um, maybe you need a good teacher who can guide you in seeing the message that you may have received from that. You know, most of us hopefully come out stronger from that, you know, incident of loss or pain. That's that's what happened to me. I think I was uh, I became stronger, but in more, you know, physical sense, you know, in, in a way that I had to prove that I was able to do everything that a girl should be able to do. And now it's not in that physical sense. It's the strength of your willpower or your strength of your heart. Um, So that strength also shifts from just saying I can do it physically to I am. I am strong. I am brave. I can do this in a more gentle way. When you say physical way, that's kind of interesting the way you say that. And I wonder what it means exactly, Ritu. Like exercising, being stronger physically, in what sense? Because in, in life, when, you know, the way we move in our lives, things have to be done. So you need that physical strength to do those things, whether it's studying or working or raising children, right? So you need that physical energy. And at some point you realize that the strength of your inner resolve, your willpower is equally important and you need both to survive in life. So it is that harmony, isn't it, of body, mind and spirit. Yes. And that's what I've learned from being a yoga teacher and a yoga student, that oneness of the body and mind and breath. Yeah. How did you discover yoga, Rachel? How did it discover you? That's a better question. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I grew up in India and uh, I was exposed to yoga early on in school. Uh, I was young when I saw people do yoga asana, but I also was exposed to the the culture of yogis who are so immersed in, in meditation. Uh, And then, you know, life took me in different places and I was very busy for many years. 
And I rediscovered yoga uh, in, in late 30s. And that's when I realized, wow, this is such a beautiful practice. And I wanted to learn more. So I, um, you know, went through the yoga teacher training. Uh, and um, I never thought I would be teaching yoga because I already had a career as a as an occupational therapist. But once I became the teacher um, and my teacher encouraged me to start teaching, it was it was beautiful to share that. It was um, uh, really empowering in a way that I could share this beautiful knowledge with others. So eventually I, I left my career as an OT and uh, now I'm teaching yoga full time. With that, let me ask you a few questions, initial questions about your book. So you wrote the book, Teach Yoga, Touch Hearts, a guide to creating inspirational yoga practice. And what was the main intention of writing your book? The main intention was to share the, the knowledge that is behind this very deep uh, philosophy of yoga that comes from India. You know, when people practice yoga or typically when uh, yoga teachers teach a one hour class, uh, and I say typically, uh, there's millions of teacher um, and um, I don't want to generalize it, but um, it's taught as a physical practice for the most part. And there is so much to the knowledge of yoga that comes from Yoga Sutras, which is one of the uh, six ancient philosophies coming from India. And um, I, I share that inspiration with my students. And I wanted to share that with other teachers that um, who, who want to maybe want to share, but don't know how to weave that through that one hour practice. And um, this this book has been in my mind for many years, but it just came together last year. Could anyone actually benefit from your book, Ritu? Yeah, absolutely. So I've kept the the words very simple. And although the book is directed as if I'm talking to yoga teachers, but it's open to all practitioners and people who enjoy practices of yoga. They would gain so much from it. Uh, you know, I have stayed away from sort of the dense, uh, the way uh, dense philosophy is explained sometimes in many yoga books. I've kept it really easy to read um, for everyone who may want to learn about yoga. And it is. I absolutely love the poems and the prayers you have there. And I have a question for you about the difference mm -hmm. between meditation and prayer. What would that be? And is prayer something that it's another practice within yoga? It's a beautiful question. Uh, the lines could be blurring there, I feel, in, in the way I'm looking at it. So in, in yoga, if you, in, from yoga philosophy that Patanjali has given us, uh, Sage Patanjali, he gave us eight limbs of yoga. So the last three limbs are called dhyana, uh, dharna, dhyana, and samadhi, which are all related to meditation. And he has also talked about a word called ishwar pranidhan. Now the word ishwar is um, 
very difficult to translate in English. And, and the only English word that comes close to it is uh, trusting in God. But I, I want to say here trusting in the supreme power, whatever you want to call that power by any name. So he has talked about meditation and trusting in that divine power. You can also call it celebrating that divine power or surrendering to it. So again, the lines are blurring there. When you sit in meditation, you or we, we try to look deep within. And people who have practiced meditation for a long time are hopefully able to get in touch with that higher wisdom, that intuition, uh, that ancient wisdom that that we all inherited uh, from our ancestors. And when we tap into that power, it's sort of like a prayer. It's it's yeah, that's that's the best way I can explain it. Oh, I love that. It's very simple and it makes sense to me. So meditation, it's almost a way of uh, accessing that inner power, as you call it, inner wisdom that is within. And then prayer might be the expression of that, the way we can express right. that wisdom in the world. Right. So, you know, an easy way to uh, share that is when I, I share with people how to work with your intentions, like in the practice of Yoga Nidra. So intentions usually begin with I am, I am that. And I always share that, that you can say it as I am that, or you can say may I be that. So it becomes a prayer. So it's an intention and a prayer at the same time. I love that. I never really thought about prayer. Usually it comes to me as um, from the intellect as a religious kind of practice. It's very loaded with rules and uh, very little yeah. room for freedom. But now the way you talk about prayer, it kind of, uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. And kind of made me think, like yesterday was thinking, today too, I'm going to kind of recite some of these prayers every day for the first time. I don't think I ever thought this way. So I thank you for opening that, the possibility <laughs> to pray, because <laughs> I never thought it that way. Uh-huh. That is, I consider what I do here, talking to my guests as a prayer, flowing with life in a sense of being supportive of mm -hmm. something that I know it's possible, which is come to this experience of peace and joy. It is possible for right. all of us. So that's right. the intention here with this podcast. In your book, you say, Buddha said that words have the power to both heal and destroy. And when words are true and kind, they can change our world. Mm. And that's what you do with your book. I see how Carefully, how beautifully you use words. Right. <laughs> the poems, the passage, I mean, it's just incredibly beautiful. Thank you. Chapter 12 called my attention. Themes for the classes, and you have all these beautiful themes. Bliss, mm -hmm. love, heart, vision, so many beauty, inner smile, gaze, visualization, present moment, courage, gratitude, and so many others. So <laughs> only by reading that is like the heart opens. It's incredible. Right? Those yes. words, like, oh my God, how amazing. Yeah, beautiful. So I love, yeah, I love the way you did this. It's like, um, hmm, it's a spiritual art, isn't it? It is. And, you know, these are the teachings of uh, yoga that uh, I have received from my teachers and um, from my ancestors, I could say. Um, and uh, 
words have this beauty and this power uh, that they can they can change your world. And I have used a lot of Sanskrit words that that come from Yoga Sutras. Uh, the mudita, joy, uh, you know, ananda, that um, unconditional joy within, and asha, the the hope, and our drishti, our gaze or vision. And um, when we teach yoga, that one-hour yoga, I, I wanted to share that with everyone, that they could take these themes and share that with their students. So you're not only moving your bodies, but also opening up your hearts uh, at the same time and opening up the minds to different things, the the depth of yoga there is. Mm, so true. And that's what yoga really means, right? The union. Yo- the, the word yoga means union. And that union is between the body, breath, and mind. As you know, that many times our body is here, but the mind is somewhere else. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> Tell me about <laughs> they, it. <laughs> they, uh, they're not yes. mostly in sync with each other. So as you practice yeah. your asana, which looks like a physical practice, your mind, if it's totally there and your breath, it becomes um, it becomes a mindful practice and almost devotional practice in a way because it's bringing to this moment the truth isn't it of no separation that everything is one yes we can experience that it's incredible there is some some words some quotes that you have passages you have within those themes for the classes that caught my attention one of which was under I was. I didn't try to pronounce. I, I really appreciate that you said that too, because you do have the Sanskrit word before the translation. But yeah. I, I'm not even attempting um, to pronounce them. So under heart and vision, I need to have the. Hridaya. That's the heart. Beautiful. And then you you have quotes by Randas. A section that caught my attention says, "The intellect is a beautiful servant." but a terrible master. Intellect mm-hmm. is the power tool of our separateness. The intuitive, compassionate heart is the door to our unity. I love that. I, lo- I mean, I love Randas too, all the, the messages, his um, intention for doing what he did. So I love that you included this here. And under gratitude, blessings, and something caught my attention where you... You have a quote by David Stendale Rest. He's, um, you know, I was recently watching his video and he has shared beautiful knowledge. And, um, and I wanted to include people from different parts of the world, okay, uh, people from different times, uh, you know, all the way from Vedas thousands of years ago to Rumi um, uh, from Middle East and then David Steindel Rast uh, from Europe and uh, and more more recent poets and mystics and yogis like Ramdas and even um, you know Mary Oliver and one of my favorite um, authors who wrote Anamkara John O'Donohue uh, the Irish poet and you know by by bringing that i also wanted to bring that universal message of universal spirituality in here 
although yoga came from India, the messages in the context of yoga are universal that we can all relate to. So it was an open invitation sort of to all who read this book um, about the universality of this feeling. Right. I love that too, because in a way, the message that wisdom, spiritual wisdom has no boundaries, right? Exactly. It can be yeah. everywhere from everywhere. Although India is an amazing, I mean, has been, might be, I don't know, for some reason, I was born in Brazil, but mm -hmm. very attracted to the Eastern philosophies and wisdom. And recently, I found out about Advaita Vedanta, and yeah. that has been like, I mean, that's like almost the heart meeting its lover, ultimate lover. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm in love with this. And then that's just incredible how, how can we wake up for this truth? Yeah. Uh, it is incredible. Yeah. yeah, it is incredible how... Uh, Indian saints have kept those messages alive for thousands of years. The knowledge of Vedas and Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita that I have, some messages I've included in this book are yeah. timeless. Right. right. We can all relate to them. Yes. Uh, yes, a billion times to that timeless wisdom that remains here. <laughs> I mean, I could go on like for hours with you on this because that's my passion. <laughs> I uh, love that quote by David uh, Stendhal Rust. He yeah. says, everything is a gift. The degree to which we are awake to this truth is a measure of our gratefulness. And gratefulness is a measure of our aliveness. I love that. It resonates true. And then you have some Zen Proverbs to there too, where you say under joy and self-compassion, everything mm -hmm. will come exactly as it does. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, so simple, but so true. <laughs> yes. And then you have Bhakti, Surrender, Divinity. I love the Look Within by Romy mm -hmm. and so many others. It's like, this is amazing how beautifully you put all these deep spiritual words together, <laughs> wisdom together. It's just incredible. Just by look at them, I you smile. It's, it's right. amazing the effect it has, the transmission. You know, that's, like that. that's why I wanted to put it together. I've been sharing these quotes and passages in my classes with my students, and I see what it does to them. And to me, when I'm saying it, it brings a smile on your face, right? And um, when I share it with my students, I can feel it on their faces as well, that joy that comes from within. And um, that was one of the reasons I wanted to put it in, in this format so that more people can access it. How wonderful. Thank you so much, Ritu, for being you, for being open to life and doing what ah. you do. We <laughs> need that. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Uh -huh. But before that, I also love uh, chapter 13, Poems from Around the World. And you also have chapter 14, Prayers from Around the World. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to read a poem or a prayer for us. That would be, be a gift. Okay. Well, um, let me uh, share this uh, mantra, this uh, prayer that comes from the ancient knowledge of Vedas. Um, so Vedas are, uh, the word vid means knowledge. And uh, so this, this prayer, can I chant it? Is, is yes, that okay? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. All right. So let me chant it and then I'll share the meaning. Yes. 
ಪೂರ್ಣಮದ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದ ಪೂರ್ಣಾತ್ ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದಚ್ಯತೆ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾದಾಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯತೆ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಸೊ ದ ವರ್ಡ್ ಪೂರ್ಣ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಹೋಲ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಪೂರ್ಣಮದ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಹೋಲ್ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಹೋಲ್ ಸೊ ದಿಸ್ ಮಂತ್ರ ಬೇಸಿಕಲಿ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ ಎವ್ರಿಥಿಂಗ್ ಇಸ್ ಹೋಲ್ ದ ವೇ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ the part is whole the sum is whole for example the seed contains the whole tree in it right so the seed is whole and the tree is whole the little um you know baby in the womb carries the dna of its parents that 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 dna is whole and by giving birth to a baby mother still remains the whole she doesn't lose anything by giving birth to a seed the tree doesn't lose anything so everything in the creation is whole as it is we we are birthed from this infinite uh, and we go back into this infinite this all encompassing totality and that's what um, this mantra means so on any day when you feel like you're less than whole just chant this mantra Yes, uh, I'll see if I can have one in my room, <laughs> extract that and put it in here. I love the way you sing that too. I know it's not a song, but it's beautiful. It can be felt at the body, the vibrations in the body I felt in my head, the neck. Oh. See, that's, that's the, the magic of Vedic mantras. They have to be chanted in a certain way. And those sounds have this beautiful effect. So technically mantras cannot be translated. They have to be because they are made up of these sounds. Uh, they have to be chanted that way. You can't chant them in any other language, the, the Vedic mantras. The meaning is there to just explain so you can really connect with what it is. Um, yeah, intellectually, because something in you right. yeah, already has connected with that, uh, within right. the body. I can feel it. Uh, how wonderful. I absolutely love what you do. Thank you for being open. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to me. What is another word for life? What is another word for life? You know, the word that comes to me right now is flow. Just be. I think that's all we can do because um, we don't know what is precisely going to happen the next moment. if we can just trust in that divine process and recognize the limitless possibilities that are out there and be open to any of those possibilities mm. it's easier said than done <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> so true <laughs> we we want uh. a certain uh, result um, but if we are okay with whatever happens the possibilities are endless and to have that you know faith and hope and trust in in that divine process is is a beautiful place to be you can allow the life to flow uh, i love your wisdom and how you express it so clearly 
And my last question is, what three experiences besides flow, which to me is not an experience in a way, it's a realization, it's deeper than experience. It, it feels that way. So, but let me ask you the question the way I have it here. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? I think feeling the unconditional love for anyone I think that's all that comes to my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Whether that love yeah. is for uh, nature or your pet or a child. Uh, I think if you have felt that absolutely unconditional love, everything else is okay. Oh, yes, another billion times to that. Thank you so <laughs> much again, too. Thank you, Valeria. For your presence, your wisdom, for being open, uh, and everything else in between that could be felt. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So my website is Soham, S-O-H-U-M. The Soham is actually uh, one of the oldest mantras. Uh, it means I am that. So everything that I do, um, information about my book, my classes can be found on my website. And it's uh, soham.org. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank, Thank you. you so much again and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valerie. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ritu Kapoor and her work, please visit soham.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>